Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Hour of Lead by Darla Black on AO3. Rating Teen and Up. Chapter 2. On the wall is a diagram showing the stages of cervical dilation. On the cabinet across from it, the one that holds bandages and tongue depressants and gauze, is another depicting the progress of fundal height by week. The sketched woman's body is transparent. She is a hollow outline, background in favor of the brightly colored ovals representing her womb. Scully tries to focus on her doctor. I'm worried, Dana. The other woman's fingers brush her elbow. Not about the baby. The measurements are good and he's active, but you haven't gained much weight, which means you're giving everything to him. You need to take care of yourself. Scully nods, half distracted. I know. What kind of support system? There's a brief pause in which the doctor carefully avoids mentioning the child's father. Your mother, maybe? Another nod. Yeah, yes, I can talk to my mom. She's not far. Could she come stay with you? Help you get ready? I... She shakes her head. I don't know. The other woman's eyes are blue and concerned. She touches Scully's shoulder this time. And it is strange to feel such kindness in the gesture. To feel any touch at all. She thinks of the last time Mulder touched her. Just a tentative tap of his finger on her knee. Like she were made of glass or fire that might cut or burn him. She is a ticking time bomb of danger and responsibility, a capsule ready to burst under the tongue of an imperial spy. Well, you need to stop working at least, the doctor says. You're two centimeters dilated, and that baby is fully in position. You can't be comfortable. At that, Scully almost smiles. Feels like I'm sitting on his head most of the time. You basically are, Dana. It could be any time now. So I need you to keep off your feet. Stop wearing heels. Don't do any autopsies. Get some rest. And more food. She leans down, holds eye contact for a moment. Please? Okay? Okay. Good. You're on maternity leave effective immediately. So Scully slips back into her heels, which she'll have to give up, and back into her car, which she'll have to stop driving, and takes herself home to her quiet apartment feeling just a little bit like a scolded child, but also like she'd give anything to be held and taken care of until this baby comes, a break from holding everything together. Instead, she gets out her toolbox and drags the scattered pieces of the crib into the nursery. It's an hour before she's almost in tears, trying to hold the two sides she's assembled together so she can put the screws in place. Her arms aren't long enough, her belly is in the way, She tries three more times before she lets them clatter to the floor and slumps back against the wall. Melvin Frohickey finds her that way, not long after. He pokes his head through the nursery door. You rang. She tries to smile. Never in her life did she think she'd give this man a key to her apartment. But he'd been a surprising comfort in the months Mulder was missing and dead. He'd brought her small tubs of ice cream and extra tissues, flowers, a pack of baby socks, pictures of Mulder to put in her scrapbook. He'd called her drunk and sad at least twice, 
and both times, she'd found herself sniffling with him. Thanks for coming, she says. Never let be said, I'm not handy. Where's this go? He lifts one side of the crib and angles it near the other. Scully hoists herself up, aligns the two pieces, and pulls a small Allen wrench from her pocket. If you could just hold these, I can get this bolt in place. It's quiet a moment while she works, setting the pieces, then tightening the bolts. She doesn't make eye contact, but she can feel him watching her. Okay, now the other side. Frohickey lifts the large side piece she's already assembled, holding it by its smooth wooden bars. Scully, he says. Hmm? You're here alone. Twist, twist, tighten. I live alone. You're getting close to your due date, right? Shouldn't someone be with you? She shrugs. The doctor said someone should stay with me, but... She leans her weight against the wrench, making sure the bolt is as tight as possible. I can call my mom if I need to. She feels his eyes again and waits for it. She knows it's coming. Look, Scully, I know it's none of my business, but where the hell is Mulder? She chuffs out a small laugh, like it's dry, like ripping apart a fallen leaf. That was the question of the year, she supposed. Where was Mulder? I don't know, she says, at his apartment. But you called me. Yeah. With three sides assembled, she drops the slatted bottom and moves to collect the fourth side from its place against the wall. But as she stands, she finds her head swimming for a moment and her vision blurring. Hey, take it easy, Frohickey says. You okay? She steadies herself, nods. Sit, I'll do the last side. She watches him for a moment. This little man who loves Mulder almost as much as she does. She passes him the Allen wrench on her way to the rocking chair in the corner. Thanks. He makes quick work of the final piece. There's nothing to do now but lower the mattress in place. Frohiggy wiggles the corners, checks their sturdiness. Solid, he says. And then there's a quiet moment between them while she tries to come up with something to say. I don't think Mulder... He's still healing, I think. He needs time to adjust, she says. He tell you that? She frowns. When he first came back, he seemed so lost. He said he was having trouble processing everything. But I think he was angry. Frohickey grunts. She flitters the details carefully. She doesn't want a pity party. He's been doing better since, though. He brought a gift. He came over for pizza. Friendly, he says. She can see something gnawing at him. He fidgets. He picks up the crib mattress from where it leans against the far wall. Then he says, bullshit, and lowers it into the assembled frame. The word hovers sharp in the air. He's crossed his arms over his chest. Scully raises her eyebrow in question. Are you telling me that bastard got to come back from the grave and still chose to be a deadbeat dad? If his face were any hotter, his glasses might fog up, she thinks. She lets the words sink in. Is that what Mulder is? Too enamored of the world to be tied down by domesticity? He'd rather seek the truth alone. Scully rocks in the chair and looks towards the window. No, it's not like that. It's not? He thought he was dying and now he's not. I don't think he would have ever chosen me 
over his work if, she sighs. I don't think he's ever wanted a child. And this, she tilts her chin towards her middle, has made me seem different to him. Selfish, maybe, because I can't do the same kind of work I did before. It, it's not his fault. I can't force him to want us. The room falls silent as Frohiki considers this. She watches him clench his fist once, twice, and then he's shaking his head. That son of a bitch. It's getting late and she's drifting towards a dream, head slumped on the couch cushion. There's a child in the dream that she can almost see, with light brown hair and hazel eyes. A baby, fat and smiling and reaching out for her nose. She knows its face, has held it in her mind a thousand times in sleep. The child moves, and suddenly... It is a boy, mischief in those same eyes that turn without warning to sorrow. She knows those heavy lids too, that in her waking life, they plead, contrite. I know you, she thinks. And then the phone is ringing, and she pulls her own eyes open to reveal her empty living room. It's only her in the apartment, and the digital ring of her cordless phone, which sits just far enough away that she must strain over her own bulk to reach it. Hello? Why didn't you call me? It's him. Of course it's him. Mulder? I said I'd help you put it together. The crib. Frohiki had been angry when he left, and she had no doubt he'd had words with Box Mulder. You didn't need to. It's okay. Damn it, Scully. I want to help. Why? Because I care about you. Little knives, little knives. We're fine, Mulder. There's a sound that's something like a laugh on the other end of the line. I'm sure you are, but I'm worried, he said. Please, what can I do to help? Everyone's so worried all the time. But what has she ever shown them but strength? She can do this alone. He doesn't owe her anything. She wants to tell Mulder that if he wants to be useful, he could love her again. He could acknowledge his child. Could remember that he told her he wanted this once. I have this class, she says instead. It's a birthing class. I should have done it weeks ago, but you were dead and then alive again, and I felt too alone to imagine being a mother. I'm supposed to come with a partner, but my mom is busy. When is it? Tomorrow. My doctor told me to stop working, so I'm I'm going to get my things from the office in the morning. Because your due date is the 17th. There's a moment. A pause. That's this week. Yeah. She wonders if he's doing the math, if he's counting the months and weeks and trying to piece together memories. Part of her wants to be angry that he hasn't asked her due date before now. When he's been home for weeks, does he realize how those dates line up, she wonders? In August, he'd made wishes to a genie and then taken her to see his family's summer house where they'd loved each other from the attic to the dunes until their muscles were rubber and their bones were tired. Funny, she thinks, that he hadn't wished away his disease. The thought stirs some curiosity in her, some small doubt that she files away for later. You shouldn't be alone, Scully. She wants to laugh. She rests her head on her palm, elbow against her round belly. Probably not. Do you want me to stay with you? Something catches in her throat that she must swallow before she can talk. Mulder, don't offer me things I can't really have. Don't do that. She hears fabric against fabric on his end of the line as he shifts, and then the silence stretches for a moment. 
What time tomorrow? She is balancing her heartache and her hope. She is slowly constructing the armor that will let her face him in a matter of hours. Could you come at 10? Okay, he says. Before she can say anything else, he hangs up. He's never watched Oprah in his life. Of this she's certain. Which means he's been reading baby books. The thought makes her feel like she's swallowed hot rocks. She pictures him standing in a bookstore, looking confused about her and picking through books on pregnancy and birth. It's a dangerous thought that fuels a dangerous hope, so she locks the image away. Scully is concerned about Agent Doggett. She doesn't like the idea of him alone out there, but her anxiety about leaving work is fueled more by the sense that she's done exactly what Mulder has expected of her all along, that she's quit, that she's finally given up the work. He tells her she's paid her dues on the X-Files, and she wonders if he's always thought of her relationship to the work as transactional. How much was her abduction worth, her cancer, a gunshot wound to the gut, and fertility treatments? Today, he is all smiles and lighthearted references to the baby. At the birthing class, he seems neither surprised nor disgusted by anything the nurse says. More points in favor of her Mulder has purchased baby books theory. The nurse uses language like dads and partners, and Scully wonders which, if either, he is now. He helps her kneel on the pillow so she can stretch out on all fours. He presses her hips, as instructed, and it's the most intimacy she's felt from him since the night he left for Oregon. Her face flushes involuntarily, and her heart quickens when he helps her to stand. He holds her arms, then brushes his fingertips against her middle. Okay, he asks, but she's not sure she can breathe to answer. The baby answers instead, moving against his fingers, disturbed by the commotion and probably her rapid heartbeat. Mulder looks startled. She touches his hand before he can pull it away and holds it against the tiny limb that presses outward. The expression on his face is worth a slamming of her heart in her chest and the terror that he will withdraw. What is that, he asks ignoring the nurse who has asked them to move into a new position. A knee, I think. Mulder shakes his head. Here is the wonder she'd looked for in those first days, turning his lips up and his eyes to hers. She smiles at him. They are smiling at each other in a moment she didn't think possible. Dana, you okay? The nurse checks in and the moment breaks. He pulls his hand away and looks at the floor. Fine, she says, rubbing her abdomen. Just some acrobatics. And as she moves to sit, as the others are doing, stretching her legs, shifting her hips, and thinking about the baby moving down, down, and out into the world. After he buys her lunch from a sandwich shop and watches to make sure she eats. I want to know what it's been like for you, he says. Were you sick in the beginning? She stops chewing and the food feels heavy in her mouth. When she manages to swallow, she says, Yeah, some. I was tired and dizzy. Remember Oregon? That was because you were pregnant. She watches him realize what she had figured out months ago. Suddenly, he seems less hungry. It got worse after that. And then right when it started to get better, well, everything was worse. If I'm being honest, I don't even remember the middle very well. But you made a scrapbook. She looks at him. Yeah, I did. 
He nods and takes a sip of his soda. I don't want you to be alone anymore. I'll drop you off, and then I'm going to pack some things and come back. I'll sleep on the couch if you want, but I won't let you be alone. Scully stares at her sandwich, face growing hot and hope and fear of disappointment at war. He is being overprotective, maybe. He's worried about her. He'll stay until the baby comes, sure. Help them get settled. And then head back to his apartment with his fish and his singular quest. Even if that's true, can she say no to his company? Could she ever reject the near proximity of Fox Mulder? Okay, she says. The quiet falls between them as they whittle small bites away from their turkey clubs, eyes carefully not meeting. It's long minutes, a humming tension, before he breaks it. I still love you, you know, he says. Scully stops breathing until her lungs hurt, and then she remembers to inhale. She doesn't answer. She can't. But her eyes sting and she manages a small nod. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there. <laughs>